0: Well, further ado, let me invite you to please stand with me and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. We'll read from verse 3 to verse 6. When you have arrived, please say amen. amen. Don't be afraid. Say amen. 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 The Word of God reads as follows in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation. If you can please follow your copy of God's Word. in the beloved. Thus concludes our text for this morning. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we bless you. We thank you. For Christ came at your command to lay down his life for us. Oh, Lord, we pray that you will incline our hearts to your testimonies this morning and do not allow any iniquity to have dominion over us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. may may be seated. For our time this morning, I like to label the message the father has blessed us in Christ the father has blessed us in Christ as we come to the text here in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14 we come to a section that has been designated as a doxology a doxology means words of praise the apostle paul wants to give praise To each member of the Godhead because each member of the Godhead functions as one Savior in the work of our salvation. Uh, This doxology is made up of 202 words. It's one long run-on sentence. The Apostle Paul begins his sentence in verse 3, does not put the period to verse 14 in the original Greek text. Paul is caught up into praise right now, and he is not so caught up or concerned about trying to please anyone. He is caught up in worshiping his Lord and Savior, the Father and the Spirit, for the salvation that he has received and that we have received. The Apostle Paul is writing like David danced before the Ark of the Covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Remember that account David had his ephod on and he was dancing before the Ark as the Ark entered into Jerusalem, a picture of the presence of God among God's people. And Michelle, David's wife, Was upset with David. She thought that what he was doing was shameful, and yet David communicated to his wife that he didn't really care about what she thought. She was not—he was not trying to impress anyone, but to praise God for the goodness bestowed upon him, calling him to be king over Israel. Well, the apostle Paul is not trying to impress any English grammar teacher this morning. Uh, What he writes is is a long run-on sentence, but he is so caught up in praising God the Father for the riches that we have received. In Christ. Uh, in this section from verse 3 to verse 14 of this doxology, we have three stanzas. Verse 6, 12, and 14. Uh, after Paul articulates the glories of the salvation that each member of the Godhead has produced for us, has effected for us, he gives recognition by praising him. In verse 6, he says to the praise of the glory of his grace, referring to God the Father. In verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 12, after Jesus has died and Paul acknowledges that his shed blood was for our redemption, he says in verse 12, to the praise of his glory. And then in verse 14, at the apostle Paul articulates the work of the Spirit, how he has sealed us for the day of redemption, he says to the praise of his glory. So this doxology, church is Trinitarian in nature, as the apostle Paul praises the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the blessings that we receive past, present, and future. And so as we come to this passage this morning, uh, we look at the spiritual blessings that the Father, God the Father, has bestowed on us in Christ. And the one thing that we must understand as we come to a text like this, the mood of the text is all about praise. and Therefore, we are called upon by the Spirit to, to incline our hearts to this reality, We ought to praise the Father for the blessings we have received in Christ. So in these four verses this morning for a moment, let me give you four reasons to praise the Father for our blessings in Christ. Four reasons to praise the Father for our blessings in Christ. And please do not be afraid to say amen this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. The first reason to praise the Father for our blessings in Christ is given to us in verse three. And here's the first reason. He has granted us every spiritual blessing which can never be removed in Christ. Verse 3 begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The first word, the beginning of verse 3, lets us know the theme of this section, blessed. Uh, The word means to speak well of. Uh, it, It means to praise From the Greek words where we get our English word eulogy, that means to speak well of someone. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here, he says we ought to speak well of God who is inherently and intrinsically praiseworthy. We know that we do eulogies at funerals, and oftentimes you speak well of a person that's not really true, where the Apostle Paul says that everything that he's going to say about the Father is true. We ought to praise the Father for all the blessings that we've received in christ and and paul lets us know that 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 we ought to praise father the father for those blessings because he's by nature the blessed one everything that flows from the father to us is reflective of who he is by nature mark chapter 14 verse 61 jesus referred to the father as the blessed one paul in romans chapter 1 verse 25 refers to the father who is blessed forever amen in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, uh, Paul refers to the Father as the one who is blessed forever. And, and in the context, I like the context of Romans 1.25 is that Paul articulates the wrath of God upon the whole world who suppressed the truth of God's existence in unrighteousness. And Paul says even though the whole world does not glorify nor praise God, God is inherently still praiseworthy. God is glor- glorious, God, God God, is awesome whether you acknowledge it or not. The summation of his attributes, the quality of his nature speaks that he is indeed the blessed one. And When we bless God in song we're not adding anything to God. We're merely acknowledging who he is as he's revealed himself both in creation and salvation. When we don't bless God, God is still glorious. Whether you acknowledge it or not, God will shout within himself. The Father praises the Son, the Son praises the Father, the Spirit praises the Father and the Son. And Paul says he is the blessed one. He is, that's who he is by nature. That's why we receive what we receive because, not because we deserve it, because God by nature is blessed. And because he blesses, he's blessed by nature, he blesses us. James chapter 1 verse 17, James says, that, that every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes from above from the Father of lights of whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Therefore, when God blesses us, he's merely demonstrating who he is by nature. So Paul says, blessed be the God, notice this in verse three, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know the source of all our blessings come from God, who by nature is the Blessed One. But the grounds, the grounds of our blessing come because he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 2, Paul greets the saints at Ephesus by writing, grace to you and peace from God our Father. But when he gets to verse 3, he praises not God as our Father, but as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the grounds of the fact that we have peace and grace is not because first and foremost God is our Father, but because first and foremost God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if the Father had not decided to demonstrate his love towards his Son in saving sinners like us, we will not have grace and peace. Salvation is God putting himself on display by sending his son to die for us. He wants to put his love on display towards his son. And we're just caught up in the middle of that. We, we are indeed the father's love gift to the son. And we don't praise God because we are the center of God's universe. We praise the father because the son it's the center of the Father's universe and he's allowed us to be caught up in the expressions of his love towards Jesus. Two praise is because you realize the chief reason for being blessed is because God wanted to glorify himself and in doing so, he chose to include you in the blessing. You ought to thank him for that. Ain't nothing wrong when somebody has intentions to glorify or to bless someone else and they include you in it. Don't be ashamed to thank them. When I was in, in seminary, when I was, was poe, not poor, when I was poe. <laughs> and I wanted to take our kids out to an amusement park together and spend some time together. And I knew I didn't have enough. I, I was hoping, it was a stretch, to take all six of us uh, to an amusement park. And as we were in the line to get the admission tickets, a man in front of us with his girlfriend uh, decided that he wanted to show off his, to his girlfriend how, 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 how wealthy of a man he is. He wanted to impress her. So he paid for her, himself, and he paid for us. Now, I know the, the, the intention and the reason and the motive was to show off his girlfriend, but I thanked them anyway. That, that's what you do, Amen. And Paul wants to give tribute to God. He says, I know the reason why you saved me and chose me and blessed me because you wanted to show off your love to the Son. I just want to thank you anyway for that. That's the point of this section here. And he has blessed us, notice in verse 3, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's blessed us three times in this one verse. Bless it who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has bestowed upon us unlimited riches of his divine favor. Every spiritual blessing, not one spiritual blessing has been excluded from us. We have every spiritual blessing, and these blessings come from the God, the Father, and they are spiritual, that means they are communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. These blessings at the end of verse 3 are in the heavenly places. Three times this phrase is used in the epistle of Ephesians. In the context in which this phrase is used, it refers to the realm of authorities, powers, and rulers. And so what Paul is saying that we have these spiritual blessings and they are protected under the authority of our Heavenly Father. That nothing can take away the blessings that we have that the Father has given us. They're protected by the power of God. Uh, We live in a world where blessings in the earthly realm are oftentimes temporal or they fluctuate. One minute you have money, the next minute you don't. One minute you're healthy, the next minute you're not. One minute you're happy, the next minute you're sad. Uh, We live in a world where things fluctuate. Uh, It's true as of July of 2017 an event took place on the morning of Tuesday morning where the CEO of Amazon became the richest person on the earth. $90 billion. Well, by the afternoon, Amazon's stock prices dipped. And he went right back behind Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates, $89.9 billion, Him, $88.8 billion. Be on top of the world just for a morning and back behind gates. Church, we have billions of spiritual blessings that never fluctuate. It's not one minute, you're doing well, and God just extracts or removes blessings from you. These spiritual blessings are kept under the power of God. Not even the devil himself can remove these blessings for you, from you because these spiritual blessings, as Paul makes mention at the end of verse 3, are in Christ. In Christ, in him or in whom are used uh, three times, 11 times in this section. In verse 13 to verse 15, uh, verse, I'm sorry, 3 to verse 14. And it speaks of our union with Christ. Uh, the, the union that we have in Christ. Paul uses this phrase, it's a very important phrase, 162 times in his writings. And what Paul is saying is that these blessings are secure because we are united in Christ. In other words, Christ's riches becomes our riches. Christ's resources become our resources. Christ's inheritance become our inheritance. Christ's acceptance by the Father is our acceptance before the Father. Corey 10 Boone said, connected with him and his love, I am more than a conqueror. Without him, I am nothing. Like some railway tickets in America, I am not good if detached. Praise God, We're, we're attached in Christ. Well, that takes us to our second reason to praise the Father for our blessings in Christ, and that is because he has chosen us out of every condemned sinner to be saved in Christ before we existed. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, just as or in as far as, or because. Now, here, Paul wants to describe the spiritual blessings we've received in Christ. And the first spiritual blessing we've received is election. Notice this, he chose us in him. Literally, he chose us for himself in him. The word chose always conveys in the New Testament a choice out of personal interest. But here in this context, this is not God choosing us because he has some personal interest in us in and of ourselves. The personal interest or the delight that the father had when he chose us for himself in Christ was in light of what Christ would do for us in the future. Am I making sense this morning? That in light of what Christ would do, that he would go to the cross and that he would be held legally responsible for every sin that you and I have ever committed throughout a lifetime. Because he would die on the cross for our sins as our substitute, the Father in great delight chose us, picked us for himself in Christ. If we were not chosen to be in Christ, the Father would have been glorified and sending all of us to hell. Peter O'Brien said at best. Election is always and only in Christ. Notice, though, church, in verse 4, that the doctrine of election is clearly taught in the Scripture. We did not choose God. God chose us. God pursued us. When we didn't even want him. But understand, the doctrine of election is meant to lead to doxology, not discord. It's meant for us to exalt God, not ourselves. In fact, to the point that the doctrine of election should, in a way, help us have a proper perspective when it comes to our ministries. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Jesus had said to the disciples after they came back from their missionary ministry and they were casting out demons and and they were so excited they said jesus even the demons are subject to us in your name and jesus don't 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 rejoice that the demons are subject to you in the name of uh, in my name but rejoice that your name is recorded in heaven that ought to give us joy ministry fluctuates you don't want to tie your identity to your ministry if your ministry fails, and you think you're a failure. When your ministry succeeds, then you think you're all that, And Jesus says, no, don't, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that God loved you and chose you for himself. That on your bad days of serving God, God still loves you. And on your good days, God's love towards you has not changed. And he did this. He chose us for himself. Notice there, before the foundation of the world, before time began, before the earth was created, before the moon and the stars and the sun, before the angels and before the devil was created, when it was only God. He chose us. Now, we ought to praise God that, that, our, that our salvation was not determined when the day you trusted in Jesus It was determined before the foundation of the world. And why would he choose us? Why, verse 4, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. That God would choose us to be set apart and without blemish before him in love. Literally, for us to be holy and blameless. Now, follow me on this, church. Are you with me? If God the Father chose us for himself in Christ before the foundation of the world for the express purpose for us to be holy and blameless before him in love, that means that when God chose us for himself before the foundation of the world, he must have saw the opposite of being holy and blameless. In other words... That before the foundation of the world, God saw us in Adam as condemned sinners on our way to hell. And God picked you out of the race of fallen humanity and placed you in Christ. So that one day, even though we're depraved and wicked and dead, he would glorify us by making us holy and blameless. I don't think y'all are hearing me this morning. That's reason to praise God. God was not surprised when man disobeyed. Amen. Though God allowed man to disobey, it was ordained that through man's disobedience, he may put on display the glory of who he is in the work of redemption. John MacArthur said at best, quote, history is simply the outworking of his story, which has already been planned and pre-written in eternity. Now think about this, if the Father chose you to be in Christ before the foundation of the world, having known all the worst stuff about you. Now I'm not talking about the worst stuff you only know about you. I'm talking about the worst stuff that God knows about you that you don't even know about you. And yet, knowing all, I'm talking about, not just even before salvation, I'm talking about after salvation. That that, that despite we know we're saved and God is... saved us sanctifying us he's blessing us we're growing in the knowledge of his word and yet we still sin we still disobey God and yet God knew all of that before the foundation of the world and it did not change his immutable decree praise God for that he chose you in Christ because the son gave the father the best in exchange for our worst before him in love, in, in the very presence of God in love, before our salvation. Listen, listen. Election. The purpose of election before the foundation of the world. And yet God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. When would that happen? Glorification. Glorification. That that's why Romans 828 is so beautiful. And we know that God causes Speak to me. All, not some, all things that work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What's the good that God is working out in my life? Verse 29, for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. No matter what God allows in my life, it's for the purpose of him fashioning me to be more like Christ that one day I will stand before him holy and blameless in love. Now, now, follow me on this. Follow me on this. Thank God that when he elected me, it was not to the beginning of my salvation at conversion or at the moment of my justification or at the moment that God set me apart and in the process of sanctifying me, that God would have left me in my mess No, 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 election was to the end of it all, to glorification. Now, what that does for me, church, that lets me know, because Paul in the next verse of Romans 8, 28, 29, verse 30, before he foreknew, he also called, whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified, past tense. We're not even glorified yet, and God speaks of it as if it's already happened. Because nothing can come in in between the love of God for us. Am I making sense? Now think about this for a moment. If God chose me before the foundation of the world to stand before him in glory, glory, then that means that whatever it is I'm going through right now currently, I need to view that in light of my destination. No matter what I'm going through in life, trials, calamities, no, no matter what, I cannot get so caught up in the journey I forget the destination. As I was coming, as we were coming here uh, this past Tuesday, I knew it would be an eight-hour drive from Lexington to Virginia. And as a parent, and you parents know what I'm talking about, when you do a road trip that long, don't try to surprise your kids by saying, just don't worry about it, you'll like it when we get there. You tell them up front where you're going and that it's exciting so that during the journey they don't complain. When you don't tell them, they complain. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? So I told them we're going to go to the Pentagon. We're going to go to the White House. We're going to go to the say cap. We're going to go to the, cap, cap, go the Capitol, U.S. Capitol and all that. We're going to see a lot of stuff. We're going to eat good. We're going to all that. And as we're driving eight hours and 17 minutes, I got no complaints. Church, when you go through your season in life, don't get caught up in the journey. You lose sight of the destination. No matter what I'm going through, I'm headed to glory. And that ought to give me the grace to keep persevering no matter what season I'm in in life. R. Ken Hughes said it best. A God who chose you before time when only he existed will not leave you victim to the time and tides of life. Well, the third reason to praise the Father for our blessings in Christ is given to us in verse 5. He is delighted to take sinners like us and adopt us as his children through Christ. Verse 5, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. He predestined, he decided beforehand, he foreordained, Six times this verb is used in the New Testament. God is always the subject. He predestined. And way, the way Paul wants us to understand it is this. Going back to verse 4, he chose us. And yet when God chose us for himself in Christ, what kind of relationship did he want us to have with him in Christ? Having predestined us to adoption as sons. He chose us by means of predestining us to be adopted as sons in Christ. Jesus Christ. In the culture of adoption in the ancient world when a child was adopted to a the family they received all of the rights and privileges of the legitimate child. They no longer had the last name of the family that they belonged to. All obligations and debts were removed. They even had a last name of the adopted family to show that they received all the privileges and rights. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and Galatians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says that at the moment of salvation, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He regenerates our nature. And no longer do we have the nature or the patterns of Adam or even the characteristics of the devil by our lifestyle, but we now have the characteristics of God by virtue of the Spirit's indwelling. And now we're being shaped into the image of Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit. And did not Jesus teach us to to take advantage of the, the rights and privileges that we have as? sons and daughters in Christ by calling your God in prayer, Father. Amen. Call him Abba, Father. Romans chapter, Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, it says that one day we will receive a new name. The glories of the spiritual riches that we have is election, predestination, and adoption. In a Re- Reader's Digest article, a, contribu- a contributor had shared the story of a woman by the name of Aunt Ruby and Uncle Arnie. They uh, had been married for a number of years and for the five years of their marriage, they tried unsuccessfully to conceive. So they decided to adopt. To Aunt Ruby's surprise, a year later she conceived. Fast forward that when the kids were nine and eight, a neighbor came to Aunt Ruby's house. She sat there, she asked Aunt Ruby, which son is yours? Aunt Ruby responded, both. The the neighbor said, no, no, you're not understanding me. Which one of them is adopted? Aunt Ruby looked at the neighbor straight in the eye and she said, I've forgotten. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're justified and declared righteous in Christ. When the father looks at us, he sees Jesus. He's forgotten everything that we've done. He doesn't hold that against us or who we once belonged to. He sees us in Christ. Now, as I close, the question is, what would motivate the father to choose sinners like us, to handpick us before the foundation of the world to be in his son and to be adopted? Verse five says, according to the kind intention of his son will according to in conformity with the kind intention kind intention could be translated the good pleasure of his will paul is saying that when god chose us it wasn't by blind luck it wasn't by uh divine throwing of the dice it wasn't some random selection it was nothing arbitrary but it was in conformity with the standard that would bring god great satisfaction and the standard by which brings that which brings god great satisfaction is God's wisdom. Lewis Burkhoff in his systematic theology book defined the wisdom of God, quote, as that perfection of God whereby he applies his knowledge to the attainment of his ends in a way which glorifies him most. God's perfect wisdom, church, was the standard used in determining beforehand the destiny of the elect. To say that God would have been glorified through the choosing of someone else other than you Or he would have been glorified through the salvation of the whole world, including fallen angels, universalism, is correct. But he would not have been most glorified. To say that God would be most glorified if he chose differently is to insult the glory of his wisdom. It's to charge God with stupidity in, in, in that he failed to display himself as most glorious. God made no mistakes. God was not haphazard in his decision or capricious in his choice. But according to the standard of his infinite wisdom, he found great pleasure and delight in choosing to save you. On the days when we fall short, in the days we don't live like we should as Christians, God never looks at us and says, I wish I chose differently. You cannot improve upon the wisdom of God. And let me interject this, I'm going to be a minute over. The wisdom of God connected to the omniscience of God. That means, as Arthur Pink says, God knows everything possible and everything actual. God only has one plan, plan A. But he knows plans B through Z. And you ever play that game in your mind, the what if game? What if if my life turned out this way? What if I did this? God knows all about that. He knows what your life would be like if you were married to someone different. He knows how your life would be like if he chose you to be born in some other culture. He knows how your life would be like if you were born in a different time in human history. Yet according to his infinite wisdom, he chose you to be married to whom you married to. And the kids that you have and the job that you have. And the church that you attend. And therefore we need to submit ourselves to the wisdom of God and say, God, you've done what's right. Even though I don't understand it. But the perfect wisdom of God guards my heart from grumbling. I need to bow to the sovereign wisdom of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Well, here's my fourth reason to praise the Father for our blessings in Christ. In verse 6, he has blessed us so that we may praise him for his grace towards us in Christ, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. God allowed the fall to take place of demons and Satan. He allowed the fall of man to take place so that he might demonstrate his grace upon those he has chosen to save. Grace can only be displayed as grace upon those who realize they don't deserve it. And he freely bestowed it on us in the beloved, in the one who has always been loved and cherished. And the point of this message this morning, church, is we look at this doxology and how God the Father has loved us in Christ. The Father has poured out so many of his riches, spiritual blessings upon us. And they're they're lavished upon us because we're in the one that he's always cherished from all eternity. The point is, your temporal, earthly blessings will fluctuate. You'll have them one minute, lose them the next. If God never gives anything to you ever again, you ought to give him praise for the spiritual blessings of being elected, predestined, and adopted. One of God's faithful missionaries to the Picton Islands in the southern tip of South America was a man by the name of Alan Gardner. In eighteen fifty-one, at the age of fifty-seven, he found himself in a situation where he was starving and he was close to death. He eventually died and when they discovered the missionary's body, what was laid next to his body, Alan Gardner's body was a was a diary. The diary had recorded the thirst the hunger, the wounds, and loneliness that he had suffered on the mission field. But his last entry was interesting because in the last entry, it was almost as if he tried to write legibly as he could with his hand shaking. It read, I am overwhelmed with the sense of the goodness of God. No matter what you're going through in life, we're always doing better than what we deserve. Four reasons to praise the Father for our blessings in Christ. He granted us every spiritual blessing which can never be removed in Christ. He chose us out of every condemned sinner to be saved in Christ before we existed. He delighted to take sinners like us and adopt us as his children through Christ. And he's blessed us so that we may praise him for his grace towards us in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for... The fact that you would choose us to be yours, knowing beforehand all of our our sinful ways, our wicked thoughts, our evil words, how self-centered we would be, how idolatrous and how wayward we would be. And yet, Lord, you picked us, you selected us because you chose us to be in Christ And now we have all the spiritual blessings secure for us because we're in Jesus. We're elected. We've been predestined. We're adopted. And Father God, we are so grateful that you have lavished us with these blessings in the Beloved. Help us, Lord, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Guard us and forgive us for sins of grumbling and sins of complaint. Help us to bow to your Sovereign wisdom, in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Emmanuel. You can find more resources like this at ibcva.com. Here is a parting word from Pastor Jesse. If you have any questions about what you heard today, or if you want to learn more about what it means to follow Christ, please visit our church website, ibcva.com. If you're not a member of a local church and you live in the Washington, D.C. area, we'd love to have you worship with us here at Emmanuel. We're located in Northern Virginia, and for more information about when and where we worship, check out our church website. I hope to personally meet you this Sunday after our service. But no matter where you live, it's our hope that everyone who uses this resource is involved in their own local church. Now may God bless you this week as you seek Jesus constantly, serve the Lord faithfully, and share the gospel boldly.